Jesus said in Matthew 28 verse 19, Go therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Welcome to Go Teach All Nations, bringing you Christ's teachings through Australian and international speakers. And here is today's presenter, Pastor Andrew Russell. Welcome to Word of Truth. My name's Andrew and I'm coming to you as the pastor of the Hoxton Park Seventh-day Adventist Church in Sydney, Australia. And I'm glad that you are able to join me, join us with these, uh, with these very timely messages that we are sharing um, over the uh, broader World Wide Web. Uh, the title of tonight's message is called The True Test of Faith. And I just hope that you will just join me for a short word of prayer as we begin to open the Word of God and receive the message therein. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, there are those who are listening, Lord, uh, with bated breath, Lord, to what you will say, Father. Uh, Lord, there are those that are seeking for truth, those who seek understanding, and I pray, Lord, that you would speak to us now. Grant us your Holy Spirit, as Jesus promised, the Spirit of truth, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, have you ever had your loyalties tested? I was just sharing with someone the other day that um, at my children's school, uh, not that long ago, there was a woman there that I had met uh, at, a, uh, at a musical uh, that uh, the children were having on the day, their recital. And uh, from that point on, she began to really show her affections toward me. Now, the only problem was, as beautiful as she was and as lovely as she seemed, was that I was a married man and so was she. Well, that didn't seem to stop her. And perhaps you've been in this situation, married or not. Well, um, she persisted in making her affections known toward me uh, through, through subtleties, through subtle mannerisms and so forth. Well, eventually I had gone on for a little bit too long as we saw each other week after week, picking the kids up and so forth, that eventually I said, no, I've got to tell my wife. And so I spoke to my lovely wife, Kim, and I said, look, there's this woman just want to let you know, and she's been, uh, you know, uh, showing some affection toward me or her interest in me. And uh, just want to let you know that uh, I'm not interested, but I thought I'd let you know just as a, a matter of accountability. And you know, once you do that, then your wife knows that you are faithful and uh, that, that loyalty is there because we're open about it, we're transparent about it. And so I'm glad to say nothing followed on from that situation. No, it could have cost me my marriage, it could have cost me my family, my children would have been devastated had I pursued what was a temptation and uh, I chose not to for the glory of God. And so our, our, our faith can be tested at times. Do I remain faithful? And I remember the commandment that says, uh, thou shalt not commit adultery. Okay. And God, of course, was speaking to me and he encouraged me to turn my face, to turn it toward the one I love up there and the one I love to my side. And that was my wife. And so in the Bible, uh, the, we also find that there is a true test of faith and that God has given through from the very beginning all the way through time right down to your time and my time today. 
and it is a true test of faith, a test of loyalty. And I want to share that with you now because this is a topic that many do not understand and understand correctly even within the Christian community. And perhaps you've come across it as well. And I'm talking about the Sabbath truth, which was always a test of faith for the children of Israel. The Sabbath is the fourth commandment um, in, that references. And let me repeat that commandment to you. It says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you will labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall not work you, nor your son, nor your daughter, your manservant, nor your maidservant, nor your ox, nor your ass, nor the stranger that is within your gates. For in six days, the Bible says, the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and, and hallowed it. And so that fourth commandment was, was the the commandment of, of true testing, it was situated right in the midst of the Ten Commandments and it served a special purpose, which we're going to find out a little bit more today. And so we find out here, if I take you in your Bibles, uh, if you do have a Bible, feel free to follow. But I'm taking you to Exodus chapter 16. And Exodus chapter 16 gives the account of where God leads the children of Israel out of bondage, out of Egypt, where they were slaves for 400 years. And so we read here and we find out that the congregation, the children of Israel are complaining as God is leading them through the wilderness now. Now he has a plan in mind. He's leading them to the promised land, the land flowing with milk and honey. He has promised them to give them a fruitful land, a land where he will enlarge them as a nation. And, um, but we find out that they are murmuring because they're now wondering uh, how they are going to survive in the wilderness here. And so in verse uh, 2 it says, as I read down, and the whole congregation of the children of Israel murmured against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the children of Israel said unto them, Would to God we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the flesh pots, and where we, when we did eat bread to the full. For you have brought us forth, into this wilderness to kill us, this whole assembly with hunger. You see, they forgot their condition of slavery in Egypt. They forgot the taskmasters and how they were being whipped and, 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 and forced to labor and uh, to do hard labor and how they suffered there in slavery. What they did remember was that they had some food, but now they're in the wilderness and the God of Israel, who had brought them out of the hands of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, they have now forgotten this great act that he has done. And now they're, they're hungry and now they're starting to complain. I have children, you know, and once they get hungry, they can start to complain too. And so um, I want you to notice the response of, of God now. It says, Then said the Lord unto Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you. And the people shall go out and gather a certain amount every day that I may prove them. Notice the test now whether they will walk in my law or not. Notice the test, whether they will walk in my law or not. So God has a law. And friends, I want to tell you, this is before we read about the Ten Commandment law 
that was given on Mount Sinai in Exodus 20. We read about that four chapters later. But from Exodus 16, we find out that God already has a law in existence. In fact, if you look close at Abraham's time, the Bible says that Abraham kept God's laws and judgments and statutes. So God has always had a law. I say that because some people think that the commandments only came on Mount Sinai. Well, we can see very clearly from the Bible that that is incorrect. Uh, and so God is going to test and he says, I'm going to, I'm going to rain bread from heaven a certain amount each day. And in verse five, it says, and it shall come to pass that on the sixth day, they shall prepare that which they bring in and it shall be twice as much as they gather daily. So specific instruction here, friends, God says they'll collect every day, but on the sixth day, they are to collect twice as much of the bread. Now, why would God ask them to collect twice as much? Well, it's very simple. The Bible tell, um, tells us that because the seventh day of the week was the Sabbath day, it was to be for them a day of rest. Now, of course, they didn't, uh, they didn't uh, choose to obey God's commandments. Remember, the test was to see whether they would walk in His commandments or not. And so notice here, as, uh, as we go on, it says in verse 23, uh, sorry, verse 22 down, it says, and it came to pass as Moses accounts for what took place. And it came to pass that on the sixth day, they gathered twice as much bread, two omers for one man, and all the rulers of the congregation came and told Moses. Verse 23, and he said unto them, this is that which the Lord has said, tomorrow is the rest of the holy Sabbath unto the Lord. Bake that which you will bake today and see that you will seethe. And all that which remains um, lay, lay up for you to be kept until the morning. And they laid it up till the morning as Moses bid them, and it did not stink, neither was there any worm therein. That bread didn't go stale, that bread that was, uh, or, or smell that, was, uh, that they collected and, and stored for the Sabbath day as well. Verse 25 says, And Moses said, Eat that today, for today is a Sabbath unto the Lord. Today you shall not find it in the field. Notice God wasn't going to rain bread down on the Sabbath day. He would do it for six days, but on the Sabbath day, he wouldn't do it. They wouldn't find anything. That's why they were to collect twice as much on the sixth day. But verse 27 tells us something very interesting. It says, and it came to pass that there went out some of the people on the seventh day for to gather, and they found none. And notice what God says here. And the Lord said unto Moses, How long refuse you to keep my commandments and my laws? How long? You see, here was a test of true faith. The test was not in the law itself. The test was in the God or the author of that law, and, and more specifically, the author of the Sabbath day. I want you to come back with me now right to the beginning of the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter, chapter 2, actually, the second chapter. We read in Genesis chapter 1 about the creation account, and uh, when we get to Genesis chapter 2, I want you to notice what the Bible says here with me regarding the Sabbath and its institution. Genesis chapter 2 says, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the hosts of them. And on the seventh day, God ended his work which he had made, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had made. 
And God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it because that in it he had rested from all his work which God created and made. You see, in six days God made the wonderful earth that we live in today, teeming with life and, you know, with the flora and fauna and, and so forth. And, and God, friends, made you. The Bible says in Genesis 1.26, God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness. And God said, Male and female, he made them, the Bible says of God. And so we, we find this here. But the Bible says when it came to the seventh day, it says that God himself rested on the seventh day from the work which he had made. And God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it because that in it he had rested from all his work which God created and made. You see, the, the reason why it's called the Sabbath is because it's a Hebrew term, uh, a Hebrew word. It means rest. It means rest. This was God's appointed day for rest. Now, my friends, let me say, this is just not like the physical rest. God didn't need physical rest, did he? He's the creator. The Bible says that he upholds all things, as we see it today, upholds all things by the power of his word. But God blessed this day. He set it aside. He instituted as a specific day in remembrance of his creation. Now, why would he do that, friends? You see, in the very beginning, the Bible says that all things were good by virtue of his creation. Now, let me put it to you another way. Everything was at rest. My friends, in the very beginning, there was no wickedness. There was no fighting. There was no violence. There was no lying and cheating. None of those things. Everything was at rest and God instituted the Sabbath day as a symbol that all of creation was at rest with him. And God, uh, and, and, and God rested himself, indicating that he, he entered into the very time of his creation. God, who is not limited by time, entered into the very time of his creation, indicating how he loves to walk and talk with us, friends. God, who is unlimited, loves to come and enter into the time of his creation, into the very world of his creation, and have fellowship one, uh, with, 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 one, with, uh, sorry, with you and with me, so that we can, we can enjoy that together with God. And so, my friends, this is the significance of the Sabbath day, and that's why God said, remember the Sabbath day. That's why the fourth commandment says that. It sends us back to creation. Remember the seventh day, the Sabbath day, sorry, to keep it holy. Now, holiness is associated with, with this Sabbath. And I want to take you to, while we're in the book of Exodus, Exodus chapter 31, I want you to notice just quickly here as we go a little closer, notice what the Bible says, the significance of the Sabbath for God. Exodus chapter 31, and I want you to notice here, verse 13, we're going to read verse 13. It says, Speak you also unto the children of Israel, saying, Verily or truly, my Sabbaths you shall keep, for it is a sign between me and you throughout your generations that you may know that I am the Lord that doth sanctify you. Did you catch that? Do you remember the Bible says that God rested the seventh day and he blessed it and he sanctified it? 
That means he made it holy or he set it aside for a holy purpose. And the Sabbath becomes a symbol, a test of faith and loyalty to the children of Israel that they too are a people that have been set aside for holiness and for a holy purpose. Does that make sense? My friends, the Sabbath is what teaches us about what holiness looks like. That's what, it, that's what it teaches us. That's why God intended a holy community to come to rest. And God intended that every, every person of creation would observe that seventh day that he set aside in the very beginning. But of course, the children of Israel lost their way at times. I want to take you to the book of Ezekiel. I want you to see that Ezekiel chapter 20 Ezekiel chapter 20. See, this Sabbath, friends, as we turn there, uh, the Sabbath points to God and God alone as the creator. See, that, that's why it was instituted in creation. And uh, notice here in Exodus chapter 20, I uh, want to take us to verse 16. I want you to notice what the Bible says here. We're going to go to from verse 16, then we're going to go to verse 20. It says, Because they despised my judgments and walked not in my statutes, but polluted my Sabbaths, for their heart went after idols. You see, this was the, the case of the children of Israel. And my friends, if you read your Bible, you find that this happened over and over again, unfortunately, much to the shame of the children of Israel. They had the living God walking with them, the one that couldn't be represented by, by uh, statues of stone and, and, and wood and, and iron and so forth. They had the living God. They, they couldn't see him, but they were to walk with him by faith. And, and through that faith, God would reveal his dealings with them and his blessings upon them. But when they lost sight of the Sabbath, when they stopped observing the Sabbath rest, friends, well, then they went in a different direction and many of them followed the practices of the nations around them, the, the, uh, the idolatrous practices of those nations. And so God calls them back in verse 20. It says, and hallow or keep holy my Sabbath, and they shall be a sign between me and you that you may know that I am the Lord your God. And what did verse ex Exodus chapter 31 tell us? That you may know that I am the Lord your God that sanctifies you, that sets you aside for holiness and for a holy purpose. You see, friends, it's through the Sabbath that we learn about holiness and God gives instruction regarding the observance of the Sabbath. Now, unfortunately, many people think that this is an Old Testament kind of thing and that uh, it's no longer needed when we come to Jesus and the New Testament. But my friends, uh, that is a, a, an error in, uh, in interpretation. Nothing could be further from the truth. In fact, Jesus himself when it came to the commandments of God, he said that he did not come to destroy the law. You can read this in Matthew 5, verse 17 and 18. He said, think not that I've come to destroy the law. I've come not to destroy, but to fulfill. Jesus came to fulfill the law. He came to succeed through an obedient life where you and I have failed, you see. We have broken God's commandments, including the Sabbath commandment. But Christ came to fulfill it on your behalf and my behalf. You see, the, the devil would, would seek to enslave us in the bondage of sin. And, and that sin is the result of pride, friends. It's the result of pride. It's when we choose to go our own way and, and we rebel against the very government of God. 
Those Ten Commandments are His standard of righteousness. Psalm 119 verse 172 says, My tongue shall speak of your word, for all thy commandments are righteousness. And the Bible says in Psalms as well that righteousness and judgment are the habitation of God's throne, of His throne, it says. The, God's throne is founded upon His righteousness and His law. My friends, doesn't it make sense that if you're going to have a kingdom, you need a set of laws? The laws serve a purpose, don't they? They help us to know be, be, what is right and what is wrong. That we may choose what? We may choose right. And God's law serves the same purpose. Here in Australia, we have our laws, our Australian laws. And, and I, I came as a migrant from South Africa to Australia. And coming over here, me and my family, we had to respect the laws of the land, isn't it? My friends, when Jesus calls us to himself, he calls us into the very kingdom of God. That's where he, that's where he calls you, friends. And he expects that we would come as faithful subjects of his kingdom. That's why he said, if you love me, keep my commandments. And I've shared that with you in the past. But Paul now, he picks up this issue and he says that the children of Israel, they, the, the, the great portion of them, they failed to go into the promised land when God led them from Egypt because of their rebelliousness. They did not do as God had instructed them to do when it came to the Sabbath observance and when he was raining that bread out uh, from, rain, rain that bread down from heaven. And so Paul picks up on this and we can read it in Hebrews chapter 4 here. And my friends, this is a, a, a you know, this is a chapter as well, again, that, that people misinterpret. They don't understand what this rest really is. But I think Paul is very clear here. I, I want to take us here to Hebrews chapter 4. But before I do, actually, before I get to the crux of it, let me just go one chapter before and take you to Hebrews chapter 3. And uh, notice what it says here in verse 12. It says here, Take heed, brethren. Notice that the Apostle Paul is giving a warning. Take heed, brethren, lest there be any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. And uh, look at verse 15 as well. It says, While it is said today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation. Now notice Paul is referring to this time when the children of Israel were rebellious. He says in verse 16, For some, when they had heard, did provoke. Howbeit not all that came out of Egypt by Moses. But with whom was he grieved forty years? Was it not with them that had sinned, whose carcasses fell in the wilderness? Verse 19 says, So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. You see, friends, that, that generation that, that God brought out of Egypt, God endeavored to lead them as His people in the promised land. But the Bible tells us when they got to the border of the promised land, the great majority of them chose not to go in and rebelled against God's command to go in because they feared the people that were already there. You see, you can choose either fear or faith. See that? They chose not to have faith in the God 
who was leading the children of Israel, the one who had delivered them out of Egypt, the one who had made the, the Red Sea to part so they could cross over, the one who had rained bread down from heaven. How many things does God have to do before we really begin to take hold of him by faith? And when they got there, they refused and rebelled, and God said, you know what? You're not going to go in. You're going to wander in the wilderness now for 40 years, and I'm going to take in the next generation. And that's what God did, friends. You see, my friends, when it comes to the salvation of Christ, may it be your decision not to harden your heart. When it comes to the sacrifice that Christ made for your sins and my sins, may it be our decision not to harden our hearts as in the day of provocation, like the Apostle Paul says. But today, if we hear his voice, friends, if we hear God speaking to us today, wanting to enter into this relationship that will last eternity, that brings with it everlasting life, friends, may we receive of Christ today the salvation that he has wrought out for you and for me. Let us make that decision today. But they didn't enter because of unbelief, the Bible says. And this is where Paul goes on in Hebrews chapter 4. And verse 2, it says, For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. My friends, the gospel of Christ was preached to the children of Israel as much as it was preached to the disciples and those who were living around the time of Christ and beyond. As much as it's being preached to you and me today, it was preached to them. The gospel is the good news of Jesus Christ. My friends, the people in the Old Testament were saved by grace as much as the, as the people in the New Testament, as much as you and me today. And so it says, But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. For we which have believed do enter into rest, as he said, as I have sworn in my wrath, if, if they shall enter into my rest, although through, though the works were finished, from the foundation of the world. Notice it's speaking about the Sabbath in creation, isn't it? So the works of God was finished and God called mankind into that Sabbath rest. And my friends, when it comes to salvation, God is not looking at your works to get you to heaven. God is saying, no, no, no. My son has done the works on your behalf. And if you receive my son, you can enter into that rest. Does that make sense? This is far different, my friends, to any other religion out there. Every other religion will tell you how much you have to work and how good you have to be that you may uh, reach enlightenment or that you may enter heaven. But when it comes to the gospel, the good news, friends, is that Jesus has wrought out the works in your behalf. My friends, he suffered that you did not need to suffer. He paid the penalty for sin with his life that we may, that we may not have to suffer that experience, but that we may have life and life eternal. And so it's through Christ. And so it's, it's not based on our works. And so it goes on to say, for he spoke in a certain place of the seventh day on this wise, and God did rest the seventh day from all his works. And in this place again, if they shall enter into my rest, seeing therefore it remains that some must enter therein, and they to whom it was first preached entered not in because of unbelief. My friends, no faith. The Bible says again, he limits a certain day saying today in David, today after so long a time, as it is said today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. For if Jesus, notice, if Jesus had given them rest, then would he not afterward 
have spoken of another day. There remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. For he that is entered into his rest, he also has ceased from his own works as God did from his. Let us labor therefore to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. My friends, Paul is saying, come on guys, He's speaking to the church. He's speaking to the Hebrews. He's speaking to those who are still so caught up in, in what they have to do. And he's saying, no, no, no. It's through Jesus, the same gospel and, and that same rest that Christ had given to the, to the children of Israel of old, he has given to us. And we enter in by faith in Jesus Christ. But we must come into that Sabbath rest. You see that? The Sabbath rest remains. You see, my friends, the Bible tells us that the cross of Jesus is what reconciles us to God. Did you know that? The, way, the Bible says that sin separates us from God and the wage of sin is death. But when Jesus gave his life, my friends, he brought us back into the arms of a loving creator. And when we're back in the arms of a loving creator, my friends, we will come to know the Sabbath rest. My friends, if, if man observed the Sabbath from the very beginning as he, need, as he should, there would be no need for God to put any of the other commandments there. Because if we rested in the, and kept the Sabbath day holy, we would be honoring our Creator, wouldn't we? And if we're honoring our Creator, we would not take His name in vain. If we're honoring our Creator, we will not go after uh, and, and fashion for ourselves any, any idols or images made of stone or, or wood or, or, or iron. If we honored our Creator, we would, we would honor our mother and our father too because He gives them life. If we honored our Creator, through the Sabbath, then we would not steal and commit adultery. Does that make sense? So, my friends, that's why God gave the Sabbath as a true test of faith and a test of loyalty. And it was a test for, as Exodus 31 tells us, for a perpetual generation. That means it continued from generation to generation. And my friends, Jesus foresaw that it came right down to our generation as well. Let's go to Matthew chapter 24 and let me share with you what Jesus said here. Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24. You see, and Jesus was speaking about the signs of his second coming in Matthew chapter 24. And, you know, the disciples said, what's the sign of your, your coming again? And of the end of the world, they said, the end of the age. And Jesus gave them all these signs. He says, he says earthquakes will increase and, and famines will increase and there'll be disease uh, uh, that will increase and, and, and multiply across the world and nation will rise up against nation. There'll be wars and, and all kinds of things. And one of the things he says, and, and at that time we spoke about a persecuting power that would come, referred to in verse 15 as the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet. And when persecution would come again, God's people at the very end of time, I want you to notice what Jesus said here in verse 20. But pray you that your flight, that is if you have to flee from that persecution, but pray you that your flight be not in the winter, neither on the Sabbath day. My friends, the Sabbath day is right there at the very end of time. Why? God's saying, look, you know, of all the time you'd want to flee, you wouldn't want to flee in winter. Why? It's freezing cold, isn't it? But also, you wouldn't want to flee on the Sabbath day either because that was God's appointed day of rest. That was God's appointed day for holy community. 
Uh, you know, my friends, I want to share with you uh, how God envi envisages, envisages that we will keep the Sabbath. We find this in Isaiah, in Isaiah 58, verse 13 and 14. And I want to share this with you because we're talking about the Sabbath day. And if you want to find out exactly which day is the Sabbath day, you just have to read Luke chapter 23, where it talks about the, the death and the resurrection of Jesus. It says that a man by the name of Joseph Arimathea, after Christ had died on that cross, came to him and, uh, and uh, sorry, came to Pilate and begged for the body of Jesus. And the Bible says that day was the preparation day and the Sabbath drew on. Now, my friends, the Christian world, knows that Christ died on a Friday. Isn't that right? In fact, uh, you know, one church calls it Good Friday. He died on a Friday and he rose on a Sunday. And so when he died, the Bible says that that day was a preparation. If you look at Jewish culture, it's on the Friday that the, that the Hebrew people get all their, um, all their preparations done, just like they were instructed to do in Exodus 16, when God said, bake that which you will bake today for tomorrow is the Sabbath day. And so, and uh, my friends, I've come to learn that as well. And what a delight it is to keep the Sabbath and prepare for it. But that day is the preparation day. The Sabbath drew on. And Christ, he laid in the tomb on the Sabbath day. And on the Bible says in Luke 24, on the first day of the week, when the women came to prepare his body with the spices, the Bible says that he was not there. He had risen from the dead. And my friends, very clearly, biblically, the Sabbath day is Saturday. It's the seventh day of the week. Most people have forgotten that. But if you look on a calendar, a good calendar, you'll find out that the days of the week begin with Sunday. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. That's how I was taught as a child in school. And if you, go, if you look at many different cultures and the language, like the Spanish culture, Croatian, you'll find out that when it comes to Saturday, they say Sabado or Sabato. And that means Sabbath. Perhaps if you're watching this, you would know that in your own language as well. And so the, um, biblically, the Sabbath was from Friday sunset to Saturday sunset because that was how God created the days when you read in Genesis chapter 1. The evening and the morning was the first day. But let me share with you now, friends, our final verse. Isaiah 58, and it says here, Isaiah 58, verse 13 and 14. It says, if you turn your foot away from the Sabbath, now, what's happening there is what the children of Israel were trampling upon the Sabbath day. And God's saying, take your foot away from it. Stop trampling on it. From doing your pleasure on my holy day and call the Sabbath a delight, the holy of the Lord, honorable and shall honor him, not doing your own ways, nor finding your own pleasure, nor speaking your own words. Then you shall delight yourself in the Lord and notice this wonderful promise. God says, And I will cause you to ride upon the high places of the earth and feed you with the heritage of Jacob your father, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. You see, friends, God is saying, I'm going to lift you up because you've called the Sabbath a delight, the holy of the Lord, honorable, and you're going to honor him. And my friends, that's why the Sabbath is so significant. In fact, in Mark chapter 2, verse 27, 28, Jesus declared himself the Lord of the Sabbath. It was him that by virtue of his powers, the word created the heavens and the earth and all that in them is, and he rested the seventh day. And Jesus said, the Son of Man is Lord also of the Sabbath day. 
oh, my friends, you've received perhaps Christ as your Savior, and if you haven't, I invite you to do so now. He paid for you with his life. But when you come to him, he says, if you love me, keep my commandments. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. And so, my friends, I recall uh, when I first came across the knowledge of the Sabbath, you know, as a Seventh-day Adventist now, I keep the Sabbath. It's the best day of the week, and I experienced that very early on. I remember uh, being instructed, okay, get all your house in order, get everything clean, prepare your meal, and then on the Sabbath day when it comes, just rest. Open the Sabbath day with, with family worship, uh, and even if you're on your own, open the Sabbath day with, with a prayer and with worship of God. Maybe you want to sing a, a, a hymn or two, and uh, I remember being taught. It was very strange for me because I didn't grow up with this. But when Jesus says he's the Lord of the Sabbath, my friends, and I love Jesus, well, I want to follow him as the Lord of the Sabbath, and I'm sure you would want to as well. He's our example in all things. And I remember doing that for the first time. It was strange at first. I remember not going to the shopping center on Saturday, and I remember driving to church, and, and, and the cars were racing everywhere, people taking their, their children to sports, and then the shopping centers were full, and it was just busy, 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 and it was as if time was standing still for me. And I remember just having a full and complete rest, mental, physical, and spiritual, on the Sabbath day. And we would come together as, as the children of Israel did when they were faithful to the Sabbath, as Jesus did too. And, and today, friends, God still has a people that comes together on the seventh day of the week, on the Sabbath day. And they come together and they worship Him. From Friday sunset to Saturday sunset, we have quality time with God. We come into church, we worship, we sing praise, we look forward to the message that the preacher is going to give to us, that God has given to him and uh, that he has prepared for us. And sometimes we do an afternoon program with the youth. We have lunch together. And, and I remember the first time experiencing the Sabbath. And I remember saying to those who I, I was getting more and more acquainted with, I said to them, wow, I love the Sabbath. It's the best day of the week. Why can't every day be like this day? You see, friends, God gives us six days uh, to go and do our work and do all the things we need to do. But he asked for that one day. And you know what? Some people won't even give him that one day. Some want to still be selfish, even with the day of the Lord. My friends, Christ demonstrated the height of unselfish love. And my friends, you can, my friend, you can make a decision today to respond to God in the same way, with unselfish love. Because love by nature is unselfish, isn't it? It's selfless. And hear the words of Jesus when he says, if you love me, keep my commandments. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. My friends, won't you learn more about the Sabbath? And won't you make a decision today to keep it holy? My friends, Satan would have you, uh, would have you separated uh, from God through sin. And James tells us if we break one of those commandments, we've broken them all. But today you've heard the word of truth. And if you love Jesus... You want to follow him and honor him as the Lord of the Sabbath. I want to do that, and I pray you want to do that too. If that's your decision now, let me pray with you. Let's pray.
Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for your word of truth. We want to thank you that Jesus, Lord, not only gave his life for us to reconcile us back to you, but he brings us into that Sabbath rest, Lord. We come to Sabbath with you, Lord, as our creator and with each other as our holy community, Lord. And uh, Father, there are those who are listening to this who will make a decision, Father, for Jesus today to honor him as Lord of the Sabbath. Father, the devil will do whatever he can to discourage him, maybe through family, maybe through work, whatever the case may be. Lord, you know, even myself, Lord, I, I, I chose you, Lord, and even left my career, Lord. Didn't know I'd be doing what I'm doing today, but Lord, I moved by faith. And so, Lord, may this test of faith, Lord, be met by those who are listening. And Lord, may you continue to lead us, Lord, to that heavenly Canaan, that you have promised us for all those who love you and keep your commandments. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us and I look forward to seeing you again next time. This message was made available by Hoxton Park Seventh-day Adventist Church. For more resources like this, visit their Facebook page, Hoxton Park SDA Church. That is Hoxton, H-O-X-T-O-N, Park SDA Church.
Tracy Butler and I want to welcome you to Healthy Living Around the World. I am on site at the Health Training School at Centre for Health in Bulgaria and today my guest is Jordan Sanchez. Welcome to the program Jordan. Thank you so much. Now Jordan you're here at a health training school obviously learning about healthy living but where are you from originally? I'm from Mexico uh, in a small city that is Pisaco in Tlaxcala. Yeah. Okay, so mm. all the way from Mexico, you're here in Bulgaria. Yeah. So how did that come about? Why did you want to come here to this school? Um, I think because uh, I decided to be missionary, mm -hmm. so God opened doors okay. by different places. So I was working in like like missionary in Egypt. Um, after I went to Lebanon, this is the way that I am here. Yes, okay, so you've um, come here to learn healthy living so that you can help people when you're doing your missionary work. Yeah, sure. I, <laughs> yeah, I come for that. Good, good. So maybe would you like to share a little bit about what kind of things you've been learning in your training? Uh, okay, we are learning about how to use uh, natural remedies, mm -hmm. the eight natural laws, Okay. Also, we are learning how we can find the the eight natural laws by the Bible. Also, so they're all in the Bible, all the eight natural laws. Uh, we are studying about that. Okay. We are in the third, in the air. Yes. Yeah, we didn't finish this. Okay, you're still learning. Well, yeah. that's very interesting. So we are doing this um, now, and also um, for the place that we are going to serve, we are learning also uh, how to explain this to amusing people, mm. so this is the way that we are going to do. Okay, yeah. so how you can actually teach that to others, that's very good. Have you had much experience with actually applying these principles in your own life, these li healthy living principles? Mm, yeah, actually when I entered to the university, mm -hmm. I was, even I was not Adventist, so I wanted to change to study, but also I wanted to have an experience with God. God uh, was helping me there. I was canvassing and I decided not to eat any more meat. And, okay. Uh, maybe another things that usually uh, not Adventists do. So for me it was a very good experience and I didn't get any sick. And until now I am maybe uh, since 2010 mm -hmm. until now it's nine years without meat right so you've been yeah all this time without eating any meat yeah and you've been fine with that i am fine with that um i'm not feeling any problem mm -hmm. so i think that i am keeping my way mm -hmm. since this moment and i am feeling good great yeah. okay that's good to hear how do you find the food uh, normally we uh, cook, trying to cook without oil or okay. normal oil. We use something like more healthy, like olive oil or seed scripts mm -hmm. uh, oil or another kind of oil okay. that is not uh, bad for our body. Mm. Also, uh, vegetables, uh, try to drink good water every day. Yes. Um, seeds, I like to eat seeds. so. That help us to maybe sometimes we need some vitamins or ah, some uh, yes. yeah complement or food that we don't have. Uh, for example, nut nutrients that we have in the meat, we can 
supply by some seeds or oh okay so you're you're able to get all the nutrients you need just from plant sources yeah for sure yeah okay good mm -hmm. that's excellent so um, this is my experience and i like it and i mm. i i never mind to go back to the to my last uh, way food or try to yes. do it okay you're happy like just before. to continue no. doing this way yeah i like it and i um i think god provide everything as we can change our way to to eat and be more healthy so we are trying to do like before like mm -hmm. you know in in the then how the people were eating and mm. after that also so trying to avoid things that is not good for our bodies yes mm -hmm. ah, that is very good so is there a lifestyle habit that you have or principle that you follow that is your favorite actually the eight low remedies is good mm -hmm. like to make our total reform okay but and which which are those what what are, what are the eight laws in brief okay for example uh, nutrition temperance air sunlight uh, um trusting god okay yeah i remember five mm -hmm. exercises oh yes i'm, I'm liking the two mm -hmm. so um this ones uh, i i like to do i feel that it's helping us to mm. too much and to be more healthy and god will help us to to know more even to to how to to do the correct things okay. more wise so we can last a little bit more time for serving god not only for to be healthy ah so you can live longer um, I don't pretend to live longer, if okay. not, I pretend to be healthy, Ah yes. so uh -huh. I can work for God oh, better. Good, okay. Yeah. So you notice a difference in how your health affects your ability to work for God? For, uh, of course, that, that helps us a lot. So, in especially when, you know, when you are sick, you mm. are, or you have any problem, you cannot serve God as 100%, so mm. trying to keep yourself help you to to do better in serving god mm -hmm. wow okay that's good to hear have you noticed any difference in how living healthfully enables you to have a better relationship with god ah of course also you know this is something about fidelity even is connected with that okay um i i can say about daniel mm -hmm. first chapter where he were called to to stay in the kingdom of Nebuchadnezzar. Mm. Yes. So he were telling to the people who were giving him food that mm. he wanted to give another kind of food because first the food that he were receiving or they were receiving because they were uh, friends. Mm. So they were receiving food that first were given to the idols and after they okay. were putting in their plates. Yes. Mm -hmm. And you can imagine it's the food for the king. Mm. Maybe it's good food, <laughs> but he didn't saw this. Uh. He saw uh, the bath of this food because, for example, they have drinking that is not good because mm. probably the alcohol cannot help us to to be wise. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, or maybe another kind of drinking. Mm -hmm. So, for sure. 
what they give to the idols was not clean food, was mm. not pure as, you know, they, they were Jews. Mm. So they were trying to eat just as they know. Yes. As their laws has. So all of these kind of things um, help them to be, to have a good relationship with God. Mm. And, you know, the, the wisdom come from God. Yes. So that helped to, to do something good, to, uh. to improve, to help the people, to, to be more spiritual. This is very important mm -hmm. for have a connection with God. So I, don't, I never mind a person, for example, that wanted to have a good relationship with God if um, they want to have pleasure by themselves, but not with God, uh, only for themselves, uh -huh. through what they like, Yes. what they so, like to eat. For yes. example. Uh -huh. So if people do that, then it, how yeah. can they have their own pleasure, but then yeah. still have God? It doesn't really mix. Yeah, but in this case, everything is complete. Not only food, you know, we need to have exercise. Because mm -hmm. it's not working. For example, you try to be healthy, but you don't do exercise. So this not help you. It's like not have a balance. Mm. For example, uh, also to, to get some vitamin D that we really need vitamin D for be yes. more healthy, not have yes. depression sometimes. So sometimes that's not healthy. We are in a close place or we don't try to expose our body to the sun. Mm. So we need to know what is the, real, uh, the good time to go outside. Mm. Um, so we cannot be affected also for the sun because sometimes we get other problems. These kind of things that help us to have a good relationship with God. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you're noticing that the faithfulness in these natural health laws of our bodies yeah. is helping us with our faithfulness and closeness to God. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, that's interesting. That's very good mm -hmm. where you've described that. So if there is someone, if you meet someone, for example, who is wanting to change their lifestyle um, for you know, for better, maybe adopt mm -hmm. one of those eight laws that you mentioned. Yeah. What would you say is good for them to to think about in terms of, I don't know, a strategy or, or something that you've learned in your experience that helps them in making those changes? Okay, maybe if somebody wants to start, I just start with something that is very important. Yes? Okay. Um, can I say that I didn't read my Bible before to be Adventist? Okay. Also, I went to the university. I had a, at this time 23, year, 23 years old. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to know more about God when my friends or people that I start to know, they start to teach me what the Bible says. So for me, it was a very nice experience mm -hmm. that started me to transform my mind, my thinking. So we can start with that. With, with your your relationship with God, with that you will be open for ah, accept what is good. For okay. You. Yeah. Uh huh. So you think that um, having a, an open connection with God is mm -hmm. an important foundation for making more changes in your life in other areas. For sure. Yeah. Okay. This is the the pillar that we need ah, to establish everything. Uh -huh. And you found that in your own experience. I found it. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And. Um, was something that really I want to say to the people that help a lot. So can I see many people that is very very sick, people that have a lot of problems, 
But I think sometimes we forget God. Yes, okay. So when we start with God mm. again, mm. so we can try to to see or after that we transform many things. Okay. But it's uh, like the pillar that we need for change. Right. God mm -hmm. is the pillar for change. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's, well, we know God is all powerful. He's powerful, so, yeah. That's tapping into a good source of strength <laughs> for making changes. Yeah, yes. and everything is in the in the writings, in the Bible, so mm. we need to know more about why we do this, why we do that, mm -hmm. um, what is more correct. Mm -hmm. All the time we need to do this before before read the Bible, what say God, and we can start to do something because God wants the, the good for us, not yes. make us any problem, if not want or well. Mm, that's so encouraging that he wants our, our health and good mm -hmm. <laughs> well-being and happiness doesn't he god does yeah yes yes that's right well very good thank you so much for sharing with thank us you. your thoughts and experience today it's been very interesting yeah thank you so much for inviting <laughs> you're welcome we have been recording on location today at center for health the training school here at center for health in bulgaria and we've been speaking with Jordan Sanchez, who's our guest today. You've been listening to Healthy Living Around the World. I'm your host, Casey Butler, and until next time, God bless. When Jesus lived on earth 2,000 years ago, he said in John chapter 5, verse 30, I can of myself do nothing. Jesus also said, I do not seek my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. If Jesus said this about his human nature, how much more does it apply to us today? Jesus confirms our helplessness to save ourselves in John chapter 15 verse 5 where he said, Without me you can do nothing. If it behooved Jesus to seek his Father's will and to rely on his Father's strength, how much more should we also seek the will of God and rely on his strength? Then we can claim the promise of God in Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I'm Etienne McClintock for In a Bible Minute, where God can change your life in a moment and in the blink of an eye. This program has been brought to you by 3ABN Australia Radio.